أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع ذنوبنا وطبيب نفوسنا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين for the love of our beloved Prophet and his beloved progeny, please recite a loud salawat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad wa ajil farajahum. For the hastening and the return of our beloved 12th Imam, a third loud salawat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad wa ajil farajahum. I hope everyone is doing well, inshallah. We'll continue with our tafsir sessions on the tafsir of Suratul Insan. In this third episode, we are going to be discussing the continuation uh, of these verses, particularly from verse 2 or 3 onwards, I should say. There's a portion on verse 2 that we still have to cover, and then after that we will move on to verse number 3. As we were going through these first three verses, we mentioned in the previous session that these three verses are really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summarizing the whole life of the human being in a nutshell. He's telling us exactly what the life of the human being is all about. There's a lot of things that take place in our life. There's a lot of events that take place in our life. A lot of changes that we go through. A lot of developments that we go through. These three verses are showing us what is really important in life. What life is all about. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these very sh three short, very uh, very short three verses, He explains to us where the human being starts out from and where he's going to end up. And depending on how he goes through this process, that is going to determine what his fate is going to be. The human being did not exist. لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا إِنَّا خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانِ Then we created him from a drop of fluid. أَمْشَاجٍ نَبْتَلِيهِ We're going to test him. إِنَّا هَدَيْنَاهُ السَّبِيلِ We'll show him the path. إِمَّا شَاكِرًا وَإِمَّا كَفُورًا Either he takes it or he does not take it. And the point that we wanted to focus on a little bit more was this. When the verses of the Qur'an speak of the creation of the human being, the first thing that shows up immediately after inna khalaqna al-insana min nutfatin is the idea of ibtila is the concept of nabtali right that's what verse number 2 says inna khalaqna al-insana min nutfatin amshajin nabtali the moment we created this human being along with this human being along with the existence the life of this human being comes ibtila it comes testing this is what we started discussing, though we didn't get a chance to fully discuss it. That testing is always there in the life of the human being. Anytime you find a human being, know that he is being tested one way or another. Otherwise, the Qur'an would not be talking about testing in this manner. The Qur'an would not be setting testing alongside the human being and the creation of the human being. This means anytime the human being is created, the testing comes with it. Okay. But the point that we wanted to elaborate more on is this. Normally, when the Qur'an speaks in this matter, one of, some of us might think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying the whole point of our creation was to be tested. And this is in fact a answer that you will get very often if you were to go around and ask people, what is the purpose of our creation? What, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us? This is one of the three common answers that people will give to you. 
And though it's correct, because here the Quran is telling us that any human being that's created will be tested. The Quran is clearly telling us this. But the Quran is not saying the final goal behind our creation is to be tested. And as I'll explain just in a couple, you know, very shortly, it cannot be the case that us being tested is the final point of our creation. And it's very, very important to find the answer to this question. What is the final purpose of our creation? This is a question that, of course, is difficult to answer. In fact, any faith and any religion that you will come across out there will have to have an answer to this question. If it doesn't, it's, it's really lacking the most fundamental of, of principles as it relates to the human being. It lacks the basic understanding of who the human being is. And therefore, Islam also has to have an answer to this and a proper answer for that matter. Right? If we don't have an answer to this question, the way we look at life, the way we look at the struggles of life, the way we look at the trials and tribulations of life, it's going to be very different. And if we do have a good answer, then it can solve a lot of problems in terms of the worldview that we have, in terms of the way that we look at the world around us. So if you were to go around and ask people, what is the purpose of our creation? And interestingly enough, I remember a couple years ago, during the month of Muharram, the first Ashra of Muharram, I was talking on this topic and I purposefully put this topic as one of the first lectures uh, that we had during the, the month of Muharram because I know that it is such a fundamental point and, and, and principle to understand. If you were to go around and ask people, what is the purpose of our creation? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us? Normally you will get three different responses. And out of these three different responses, two of them are not necessarily correct. The third is correct, but people don't even know what it means. In other words, it's more so a textbook answer. It's an answer they've heard before. It's an answer that we might have heard growing up, maybe going to Sunday school, we might have heard this answer before. But if you were to ask someone what it truly means, it would be very difficult for them to truly explain what it means. It's one of those things that we usually just memorize, but never really understand uh, what's being said. So here's the first answer. And the first answer is what we come across in this verse as well. If you were to ask someone, what is the purpose of our creation? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us? Normally people would say, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us because he wanted to test us. Now, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala test us? Of course, this is exactly what verse number two of Surah Al-Insan is saying, yes? Every human being is tested. But the question we are asking is, is this the final purpose of our creation? Is this the final goal? Is this what it was all about? Or is this testing just a step in the process and something else is coming is going to come out of this testing? And that, in fact, is the final goal, not the testing itself. Which one is it? The answer to this question, of course, is that testing is never the final goal for our creation. It's part of the process. We are definitely tested in our life, but we are tested for another purpose. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because a test in and of itself is never done for itself. A test is never carried out for the purpose of itself. A test is always carried out because you're going to take the result of this test and that result of that test is going to help you with something. A test is always done for something else, right? Imagine if you walked into a hospital one day, 
right? And it, I, I'm not sure where you would be listening to this, but you know, we're, we're based in the US. So imagine, you know, here, you know, healthcare is, is a major cost, right? So imagine you, you know, insurance is a major cost. You walk into the hospital and the doctor or the nurse says, well, we're gonna rust, run a bunch of tests on you, right? We're gonna check a bunch of different, uh, you know, measures. And we're going to see if you're doing, you know, we're going to have all these tests done for you. Imagine if you ask that doctor or that nurse, you say, sir, ma'am, um, why are you going to run these tests? What's the point of running these tests? Imagine if that person turned around to you and said, well, we're just going to run them just because we want to. We're just going to run them for the sake of running a test. You would look at that person, you'd probably give them a very bad look, right? You'd look at that person and you say, well, this, this makes no sense. You run the test for some other thing. You run the test because you want to ch check my blood sugar, for example, to then do something with that. So testing is never the final goal and purpose of anything, let alone our creation, though testing is always a part of our life. But it's a step to getting to that final purpose of our creation, not the final purpose itself. So that's not the answer to our question. You move on from that. And then you move on to the second answer. And the second answer that people will commonly give to you with regards to this question is this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us for us to worship Him. Okay? Is this a correct answer? Is this part of the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us? Well, definitely. I mean, the verses of the Qur'an speak about this. The famous verse that we've heard many times. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I didn't create the human being. And the jinn except for them to worship me. Okay, so the Quran is clearly telling us this is part of the reason behind our creation. But is it the final purpose? Or is there something else that's going to come out of this worshipping? Is the worshipping itself the final goal? Or is it that when I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, something happens inside of me, and that result is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking for? The answer is the latter. The worshipping itself, though it's an important process, an important part of the process, it's not the final goal behind my creation. The worshipping that I do, it creates something inside of me. That result of that worship is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking for. Not just the worshipping itself. You might say, well, why? How do we say this? Because there are many creatures out there already that already worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even before the human being was created. When you look at the khutbas of Ali ibn Abi Talib in Nahjul Balagha, he talks about this. He says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has angels. They are bowing down to him. They are worshipping him day and night. Right? He, has, he says some of them are sujudun la yarka'un. They're always in sujood. They never do rukur. And he says, some of them, they're always in ruku' la yantasibun. They never lift their heads from ruku'. And they're all worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as the verses of the Qur'an say, وَهُمْ لَا يَسْأَمُونَ And they never get tired of it. He already had creatures worshipping him. It's not, the, it's not the worship of yours that is the final point of your creation. Is it an important part of the process of your creation? Yes. But there's something that's going to come out of this worshipping. There's something that's going to develop inside of you when you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is actually the final goal. Okay, so the second answer is also not truly the answer to our question. Moving on to answer number three. This is the one that is correct, but people don't know exactly what it means in reality from a practical perspective. Moving on to answer number three. The third answer that people will give you 
is that yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us for us to reach perfection. Is this a correct answer? Yes, this is the correct answer. But what does it mean? This is one of those fancy terms that people, you know, say or throw around a lot of times. We don't know exactly what it means because we're taught this from when we're younger that yes, we are we're supposed to be created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to to come closer to him and reach perfection. But what does that even mean? So let's elaborate on that a little bit more. When we speak about reaching perfection, what, what we mean is that if you look at the character of the human being, the existence of the human being, we are nothing but a number of characteristics. Our soul is nothing but a number of characteristics. We have our generosity, for example. We have our modesty. We have our knowledge. We have our, our affection. We have all these different characteristics that we have. We have our patience. All of these different characteristics of the human being. If the human being takes every single one of these characteristics and he continues to grow them, the more he grows all of these characteristics, not just one or two, the more he grows all of these characteristics that make him a human being, by the way, the more he grows all of them, he comes closer and closer to reaching perfection. He comes closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because, and this is the part that's a bit delicate, because he's actually becoming more like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has, you know, these 99 names that we talk about. He has these 99 great characteristics or attributes, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. The more I grow those attributes inside of myself, the more I come closer to him, the more I come closer to perfection. So I was created, now to start, you know, putting all of this up in, in one, you know, one bundle, I was created to live in this world, to be tested, so that when I am tested, I choose the right path and I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when I worship Him, one of these characteristics that I have, one of these good characteristics that I have, it grows inside of me. And the more I worship, the more I grow as a human being. So what happens? Okay, I grow. Then what happens? When I fully grow and I leave this world and I move on to the next world, these characteristics of mine, these good deeds of mine, they make up the heaven that I have in the next world. Many of us assume that the heaven that we are blessed with in the next world is something separate from the human being. Many of us assume you're one thing, heaven is a different thing. The Qur'an tells us, no, your heaven or God forbid someone's hell stems from who they are. It comes from them. It comes from their deeds. That's why on the day of judgment we have in the verses of the Qur'an that your very deeds show up on that day. So heaven and hell is not something outside of you. It's something you create with your own deeds and your own characteristics. The only thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is that He unveils who you are to you. In this world, you may not see it necessarily in a very clear and in a very tangible manner, right? In this world, you might do a bunch of wrong things. When people look at you, you might still look very good. Right, some of the most uh, you know appealing individuals in terms of their appearance sometimes can be the most evil individuals. Very much possible, right? Because in this world, the reality of who you are, the reality of your deeds, don't show themselves. But in the next world, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala unveils things. So going back to the answer to our question, when I leave this world and I go to the next world, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala unveils these characteristics for me.
I get to see who I truly am in a tangible manner. That is heaven. And the more perfect I am, the higher pleasure I experience in the next world. So to wrap all of it up, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created me so that I could experience the highest levels of pleasure, which come from perfection, which comes from me worshiping Him, which can only happen if I am tested. So you see all of this ties in with one another, right? It's a whole you know, system that ties in with one another. But there's a big difference between saying, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just created you to test you, because a lot of times that's the answer we give to our children and our youth and even to our adults. And it sounds like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive me, had nothing better to do than to just create 7 billion human beings and just test them, just see what happens. The answer to your question is no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us for that high lofty status, which practically means the highest levels of pleasure that one can only experience, not even in this world, because this world is a material world, he can only experience them in the next world. But in order to get there, yes, he has to reach perfection. In order to reach perfection, he has to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In order to obey him, he has to be tested. For the human being, obedience has no meaning unless he's tested with good and bad. For the angels, no. They, the angels can always choose good, right? They don't have a, a free will. They don't have to choose between good and bad. For the human being, in order for him to grow, he has to choose between good and bad. So all of these answers are correct, but they're not the final goal of our creation. The final goal of the creation of the human being is to experience those greatest levels of pleasure. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being. But of course, the human being has to go through this process. Okay, if you look at religion from this perspective now, it's very different from looking at religion from the perspective of do this because you have to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do this because God created you so that you would worship Him. This is correct. The verses of the Quran literally tell us. But that's not the final purpose behind our creation. And many times we have individuals that we alienate from the religion because we give them answers like this. Why? Because then this person feels like the whole purpose of his creation was nothing but to him to but for him to fall to sajda to some other entity, some other being that we're create calling God. And that if he doesn't do that, by the way, he'll be punished. As if this God has nothing better to do in his life, as if this God has nothing else going on for him, that he said, Let me create seven billion human beings and let me just have them worship me. No, this isn't the full picture. This is, you have to give the human being the full picture. Yes, part of the purpose of your creation is to fall to sajda for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't do that just to make himself feel good. He didn't do that because he had nothing better to do. He did that because that's your key into heaven. Because that's your key into experiencing the greatest levels of pleasure. It was out of his grace that he created you, not out of his selfishness. Sometimes we talk about this and people walk away and say, well, what, what kind of selfish God is this that he created 7 billion human beings just to worship him? No, he created 7 billion human beings to give them 7 billion opportunities to experience the greatest levels of pleasure. But in order to get there as a human being, you need to be tested and you need to worship him. And sometimes it's in the form of sajda, sometimes in the form of other things. Sometimes you give from your wealth. Sometimes you give from your time. Sometimes you give from your, your reputation. Sometimes it depends. The tests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come in all forms, in all shapes. 
But now when I look at religion, I don't see it as some king sitting at the top and telling me what to do and what not to do. And if I don't do it, I'm punished. Now I see it as an opportunity, as an investment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting in front of me. And we'll talk more about this. What is this deal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making with me? What is this opportunity that He is giving to me? So moving on to verse number 3. Verse number 2 says, insana min nutfatin We're going to test this human being. Moving on to verse number 3. We're going to guide this human being. We're going to guide him towards the path. We're going to show him the right path. Either he takes us up on this opportunity or not. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here? This is the question that we raised in the previous session, but we didn't have opportunity to go through. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he is describing these two paths that the human being can take, why is it that he's bringing up the idea of being grateful and ungrateful? We would have assumed that the verse would have said either they take the right path or they take the wrong path. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says either he's grateful or he's ungrateful? Why? Maybe the reason behind this is this. Because this opportunity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is providing to you and me is so wonderful. It is such a great blessing that if you were to take him up on this opportunity, you are being grateful to him. And if you were to not take him up on this opportunity, it's like you're being ungrateful to this wonderful opportunity that he put in front of you. Let me give you an analogy and maybe that will clarify things a little bit more. If you sat in front of a businessman, imagine you were dealing with a businessman who is more wealthy than you can ever imagine, right? And because he sees that you're struggling and because he sees that you may not have as much wealth as him, right? He, he gives you a deal, for example, on something you're going to buy from him, on some property that you're going to buy from him. He already has millions of properties, right? But, you know, you're interested in one of them. But he sees you, he sees like there's such a big gap between his pay and your pay. And, and he's like, you know what, let me give you a good deal. When he gives you that good deal and he puts a really, really nice deal on the table, it's a type of deal that is just, you know, he's, he's being very generous with the deal, right? He's not nickel and diming you or anything like that. He's giving you a wonderful deal. At that point, if you were to walk away from that deal, what will people say? They won't just say, oh, he didn't take the deal. They say, oh, this person was ungrateful. He did not appreciate this opportunity. He did not appreciate this blessing that this man put in front of him. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting in front of us an opportunity that is a blessing. And the one who does not take advantage of this opportunity, he is unappreciative. He is ungrateful towards this blessing. Hence, the wording of imma shakiran wa imma kafura. Either he's grateful or he is ungrateful. Idhihar understands how great this opportunity is that we are placing in front of him or he's ungrateful and he doesn't appreciate this wonderful opportunity that we are putting in front of him. You might ask, well, what is this wonderful opportunity? With a businessman, you might, be, you might get a huge discount, for example, on this property that you're buying. What is the deal that we're trying to strike with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If I wanted to put it in, in a very simple form, here's the deal. The deal is this. 
you might live for 70, 80, 90 years. I don't know exactly what the average life expectancy is. I think here in the States, it's something around 80. You might live for 80 years, for example. I might live for 80 years, inshallah, if that, right? Maybe more. The first 10, 15 years, you're growing up, you're a child, you don't even know what's going on around you. You're not mature. Forget about that. You're left with 60, 70 years. The deal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to strike with you is this. 60, 70 years, obey me. And in return, you get to live in bliss for infinity. Does that sound like a bad deal? It's not a bad deal. That is such a wonderful deal that if one were to not take that investment, then in reality, he's being ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In reality, he's being kafura. In reality, he's being ungrateful. In reality, when other people see this type of an investment, this type of an opportunity, they will look at this person, they will say, you are crazy for not taking this opportunity. And we'll talk more about this in the next session, that there are times where we make investments where the return is much, much smaller than this, and we will kill ourselves for an investment like that. Today, if you ask someone, and they, you know, you, you, or someone comes to you with an investment, they say, you know what, the return on this investment is 30%, 40%, right? Will you take the, the return on that investment? Will you go for that investment? Yes, definitely. Now, what is a return on investment like this? It's, it's much, much bigger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, give me 50, 60 years. Doesn't mean you have to kill yourself for me either. You, there are you know, certain duties, you take care of them. You grow as a human being. Then you get to live in this heaven that you have created yourself. This is the deal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting in, in front of the human being. And then you add to that these issues. That not only is this deal in and of itself mind-blowing, how great it is, but then he's even made it even easier. So what did he do? Instead of saying, you know, every good deed that you do, it counts as one good deed, then he's added to it and added to it. You do some good deeds, he multiplies them. And then on the other hand, on the other side, he has made it so easy for you to remove your sins. The deal is just getting better and better and better. Right? There's just added perks to this whole thing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you look at the verses of the Qur'an, you find this. At different parts in the verses of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will speak about the reward of someone who does a good deed, but in terms of Him rewarding this individual, more than once. More than what this person actually was supposed to receive as the reward of his good deed. We'll start from here, Surah Al-Hadid, verse number 11. He says, مَن ذَا الَّذِي يُقْرِضُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا فَيُضَاعِفَهُ لَهُ وَلَهُ أَجْرٌ كَرِيمٌ Who is it that, Allah, that will loan money to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take it and He will multiply it. وَلَهُ أَجْرٌ كَرِيمٌ And He will have a very honorable reward. We're going to reward Him in a much better way than what He gives us. Then you move on into other verses of the Qur'an. Some of the other verses of the Qur'an, they say, you know what? If you do something good for us, we'll take this good deed of yours. We'll multiply it by two. وَمَثَلُ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ إِبْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ Those who give from their wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَتَثْبِيتًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ And in order to establish their faith, كَمَثَلِ جَنَّةٍ بِرَبْوَةٍ أَصَابَهَا وَابِلٌ 
says, you know what it's like? It's like when you take your wealth, you give it in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like you take from your wealth, you plant a seed in a garden. This garden ends up on the top of a hill, but it gets showered with a lot of water. So what happens? So this time when it wants to give fruits, it gives twice as much. This person is rewarded twice as much. Then he moves on in other verses of the Quran. This is Surah Al-An'am. He says, Man bil hasanati. I know I said two times before, but here's the thing. Man bil hasanati falahu amthalaha. Whoever does a good deed, we will reward him ten times over. And if he does something wrong, only one sin will write down for him. Okay, so up until here, we've come to 10. Other verses of the Quran, he says, We will We will multiply it multiple times. And then in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 261, then he speaks of hundreds of times, multiplying your good deed by hundreds of times. Says, Let me give you another analogy. When you give your wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's like this person takes his wealth like a seed. He plants this seed. From this grain grows seven ears. In every year, you will find a hundred grains. What is that? That's 700 times. And then the verse ends like this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiplies for whoever he likes. What is this telling you? This means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can even multiply more than that. And the question that comes to mind is why are we dealing with these different numbers? Shouldn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have one formula? Shouldn't it just be one formula? Okay, if you do this good deed, then it will be multiplied by this many times. And the reason why you find these different numbers is this, because you also find this in hadith as well, that sometimes one good deed, multiple different rewards are mentioned for it. The reason why you will find this is because when someone gives a piece of wealth in the path, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they don't always give it in the same way. The purity of their intentions, the depth of their faith is different. And depending on the purity of their intentions and the depth of their faith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will multiply even more for other individuals. This is why Ali ibn Abi Talib, it's narrated. Then when he fought in some of the battles during the time of the Prophet, the Prophet is famously narrated to have said, Darbatu Ali in Yawm al-Khandaq, the striking of the sword of Ali on that day, it equals the worship of the human beings and the jinn. Why? It's just a striking of the sword. There were many others who used to, who used to use their sword to, to fight as well. What's going on here? The purity that Ali carries with him is different. That's the difference. Similarly, when I give in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, depending on the purity that I carry, depending on the faith that I carry, my good deed is multiplied at different rates. This is not a contradiction in the verses of the Quran. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taking into consideration the person who is committing this deed. So not only did he put this great deed deal in front of us, then he made us entering into heaven so much easier. And then on the other hand, he's also made it easy for your sins to be forgiven. How do I have my sins forgiven? 
Many people think the process of Tawbah is this very complicated process. No, it's not. Many people think you have to wait until the night of Qadr to do Tawbah. No, that's not how it works. He has made it as simple as this. Imagine this person has disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 10, 15, 20 years. After 20 years, he has one moment of awakening and says, Ya Allah, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize. The moment he utters those words, if they are uttered genuinely, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives him. Think about that. That is, how easy can you make it? All you have to do is you have to say, I'm sorry. And if someone is so arrogant that they won't even say they're sorry and mean it, then yes, this person is worthy of punishment. But that's how easy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it. Then even if someone were to not do tawbah, but he does other good deeds, then some of these other good deeds sometimes can make up for his sins. Right? He gives sadaqah here or there. The good that he does to his relatives. The good that he does to his parents. These are all things that can remove sins from him. The ziyarah that he does. The crying for Imam Hussein that he does. This is why, inshallah, with this I'll bring the talk to an end. This is why... Imam al-Sadiq, he narrates from his grandfather, Imam al-Sajjad. He says, كَانَ عَلِيُّ بْنُ الْحُسَيْنِ يَقُولُ وَيْلٌ لِمَنْ غَلَبَتْ أَحَادُهُ أَعْشَارَهُ says, woe to the one. How terrible is the situation of the one who his good deeds that are counted in the tens are less than his bad deeds that are counted in the ones. He had the opportunity where if he were to do something good, his good deeds were multiplied and still he ended up with more wrong deeds even though they weren't multiplied. He says, woe to this person. I said, what are you talking about? His tens and his ones. And then the hadith continues that the Imam, he then quotes this verse of the Quran, Man He says, you do good, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiplies it. Woe to you! How terrible have you lived your life if your tens are still less than your ones? That's on you. Because the, the, the life of the human being, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can try to make it as easy as possible. But at the end of the day, you have to take some steps too. You have to work a little bit too. If you haven't even put in that much work, then yes, that's, that's a problem. Now, someone might say, okay, this is a wonderful opportunity, but let me ask you, what about the risk involved in it? Every human being, he can take the right path. He might take the wrong path, though. It's a risk. That is something we will discuss, inshallah, in the following session. How great is this risk? And is this risk something that, will, that should deter me from, from wanting to be in this position? What if someone were to say, I wish I was never created. I know it's a wonderful opportunity, but I didn't even want this. Can a human being ever say that? These are questions that inshallah will leave for the following session. With that inshallah, I'll bring tonight's talk to an end. Let's take a moment to recite Surah Al-Fatiha for all of our marhumin and marhumat with a loud salawat ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad wa ajjil farajam. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen ar-Rahman ar-Rahim maliki yawmiddin. Thank you 
Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for tuning into another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. I hope that this episode was another step for all of us to coming closer to having a deeper understanding of the Quran and the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you would like to stay updated on the courses, the presentations, or the other podcasts that Mizan Institute is offering, you can always follow us on the major social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can always refer to Mizan Institute's website, which is MizanInstitute.org. Finally, if there is any feedback, feel free to leave a review for the podcast or you can always message us directly on any of these platforms so that we can benefit from your feedback for future projects, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.